Welcome to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to support, recruit, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate with you today, families and careers. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed. Thank you so much for listening. And always without you, I'd just be talking into a microphone. So on today's episode, I have a brand new guest. So her name is Wendy. And her background is quite extensive. And I'm really excited to have you listen and join in on the conversation. She has an electrical engineer background, then stay-at-home mom a volunteer for a 4-H and junior high sewing instructor. And she was a family consumer sciences teacher or possibly were you, I'm trying to remember, were you in the program to become a teacher and then you went another way? I was never in a program to become a teacher, but I got involved in volunteering with an FCS teacher at our junior high school. That's right. So Wendy, thank you so much for just reaching out to me. I know that was pretty brave of you. But yeah, she reached out to me. She sent me this beautiful email and she included lessons for beginning teachers how to sew. Because I know as a teacher, we are not taught how to sew in our teacher preparation program classes. That's something that we have to figure out on our own. So Wendy created these beautiful YouTube video instructions and lesson plans templates where she now has a TPT link and she has an Etsy shop. So Wendy, thank you so much for joining. Well, it's great to be here. Yeah, so what is the name of your little corner of the World Wide Web? Well, I called it Calico Jam. I was just looking for a simple name that might be unusual enough that if someone searched on it, you would find me. And it's just a phrase from an Edward Lear poem. He writes nonsense poems, and I always liked them as a kid. Oh, very good. Well, let's start talking shop because... I can tell you from when I first stepped foot into the classroom, I had a sewing and textiles class. I didn't know how to sew. (laughs) And so that was, that was quite a eye opener. And it was somebody who just told me, she's like, honestly, just try to be one day ahead of your students. So I'm looking up things on YouTube. I also was very fortunate to have a master seamstress who came into my class every single day who basically taught the class. But it was the blind leading the blind. So let's talk about what you got going on. I learned to sew when I was a kid. So it's something that I loved and I knew how to do. As you said earlier, I became an electrical engineer and I did that until my first child was born. I did a lot of volunteering in grade school. And then once my kids were in junior high, the volunteer opportunities kind of dried up. But my daughter started taking Young Living class and they were doing a sewing unit in there. So I asked if they might need some help. And the teacher she had at that time did sew. And so I was really a helper in that department. And I had already taught 4-H sewing. So it was, it was good teamwork at that point. 
she ended up moving on to another school and that left an opening at our junior high school. And we had a very hard time filling it. And a lot of classes were being dropped in other schools because they couldn't find FCS teachers. But our dear principal filled in at the beginning of school and he taught the young living and teen living classes until he could find a teacher to fill the spot. And he found one, but she didn't have sewing experience. And so that's where I came in to help out with that. And we taught together for a few years and we had four classes of sewing kids each semester. Some were around 20 kids on sewing machines at the same time and just learned a lot through that process. And this year we did not have sewing as usual with the coronavirus. So I used the time to put some videos together that would help us in the classroom. When I was first teaching sewing, I noticed that there were a lot of sewing videos out there, but almost everything I looked at started right away with threading the machine and sewing on fabric with thread, which to me seemed a little fast, at least for people who are brand new to sewing. So our process that we were doing at school was to start with no thread, sewing on paper, and really drill in how to properly use a sewing machine so that once you do thread it and start on fabric, you're not going to be jamming sewing machines. So that's kind of how it started. And then during coronavirus, I just spent time putting those videos together. That's great. So with your tutorials and all, are do you have a safety quiz or any? Um, I do have some quizzes. You start out with the videos that are I call the sewing basics. And there's a sewing tools video and a sewing machine video and an ironing video. And for the tools and the machine, the videos are set up so that you can fill out a study guide as you go along. And then once you're finished with those, you can study your study guide and then take a quiz that will quiz you on the sewing tools and the parts of the sewing machine. And the way that we had our students do it is normally they would complete a sewing tools and a sewing machine quiz before they would be allowed to get on the sewing machines. So I thought that putting that in video form might be an easy way of getting the kids engaged, learning enough so that they could be safe on the machine. That's perfect. In my first school, I was on Bernina's sewing machines, but now in another school could have a completely different style machine. So are these, I guess, every school, every district does something different. So does your sewing machine template that you have to be able to fill out the paperwork, is it transferable to all sorts of machines? Yeah, that's a good question. And that was something that I was kind of concerned about. So the drawing resembles my machine, which is a BAF 3.0 select, but I tried to have the drawing stylized a little bit. So it just kind of has that general look of a sewing machine. And the parts that we look at are parts that every sewing machine will have, like the needle and the feed dogs, the presser foot, the take-up lever, the hand wheel, Those things are all in the same place on all machines, though they may look slightly different. So that's one thing I'm kind of curious about how that goes. And we did use the Berninas at our school. And I think that this represents 
pretty close to what a Bernina machine would look like as well. I think you could you could transfer it across pretty well. Oh, very good. Well, yeah, because I being able to have something that is transferable is so important because not every district is going to have the same thing. So do you do a, a like a hand stitch unit by chance? We did do some hand stitching in our junior high, but I don't have that in part of the video series. This is really for the machine part of the sewing. I do mention hand sewing needles in the sewing tools video, but beyond that, we don't cover it in the lessons here. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah, I know. So in my district right now, for this entire school year, we can't do any cooking, no sending home food kits or anything like that. And it's the same thing for our sewing and textiles class that we can't send home any sewing kits or anything. So uh, having your videos, I think, is just another avenue for teachers to be able to use and send out going, okay, in theory, this is what you would do. Yeah, and I'm excited to get back in the classroom and try it because I think it's really going to free up a lot of time because a fair amount of my time was spent just repeating instructions, the same thing over and over. And what I really envision is maybe watching the video together with everybody in class and then everyone going to their machine with a device, whether it's an iPad or a phone and then step through the videos at their own pace. And then they could keep proceeding as much as they want to because everybody learns at a different rate. And one of the issues we would run into would people would be done with certain parts of the project and be ready for the next part. But I didn't have time to teach them the next part because we were trying to get everyone else caught up. So then we were trying to have other projects that they could go to and work on in the meantime but this would almost turn it into kind of a self-guided pace if you wanted that. Oh, I love it. Well, so I have up here, these are the lessons that you go through. You have the basics of sewing tools, then a basics sewing machine, which then moves into lesson one, straight sewing, lesson two, the back stitch, lesson three, pivot turns, lesson four, sewing curves, lesson five, sewing on fabric, and lesson six, sewing a seam. Would you like to go through any of those and just kind of talk about how long are these lessons? Well, I I think they're about six to eight minutes each. I really tried to make them contain the necessary information, nothing more and nothing less than that. So it's kind of the quickest amount of time to thoroughly cover the material. And they really are step by step. So the kids can just kind of pause it and follow through as they go. The first four are all done on paper. And then it's that fifth lesson sewing on fabric where we would be threading and then starting sewing on fabric. And I don't cover the machine threading, I should say, because like you said, every school would be using a different machine. So I do reference in the video description some videos for threading different types of machines, but that's something that would have to be taught based on the machine that you're using. And then once you're threaded, then we carry on with sewing onto the fabric. And then the last one, there's sewing a seam, 
by using uh, the guides on the throat plate to sew a proper seam allowance and they're pressing it open. And so that would get them to the point that after that, they could start making a very simple project because they would understand how to cut out pattern, how to pin fabric together and how to follow a seam allowance properly. No. So, and I have one simple project that I put out there on the video. It's just making a little bean bag, but there are lots of projects online uh, on videos for making all kinds of things. Yeah, no. So for you teachers out there, she's got some amazing, amazing work where she's got the curriculum guide. And then as we've been talking about, she has the sewing machine where students are able to fill in where it could be either digitally they're filling in or a paper in in person, along with the sewing tools and your sewing practice. So I think she's got some really great resources for people to utilize in right now. How is your curriculum guide? Is it pretty easy to follow along? Because that's really important for teachers to be able to. Yeah. And I, not being a teacher, I wasn't sure exactly how to put the curriculum guide together, but I tried to put down what I felt the teacher I worked with would want. And so for each lesson, I mentioned the materials that are needed and then the general procedure that you would go through. And then for the lessons where they're sewing on paper, I talk about evaluation guidelines and what to look for that would make a good paper and maybe things to look for that kids should be improving on. And so that's what I have in the curriculum guide. And I did also want to mention that the videos are free. They're out on YouTube. There are currently no commercials on them. I understand YouTube can decide at their own discretion to put commercials out there, but I don't have any on it. So anybody that wants to use them, whether you're an individual or a classroom, can go out there and access the videos free. You can make your own practice sheets or use some that you already have and not have to buy anything to run the program. But if you wanted to have the curriculum to go with it, that would give you the curriculum guide and the practice sheets and the quizzes and study guides that we've been talking about. No, this is great. So do you have any special projects that you did in class where you were like, let's say a pillowcase doing the French seam or maybe pajama pants or? Well, we have done some of those things. Actually, we did pillowcases and pajama pants, but typically what we started with was a small beanbag. This would be like what you'd play a beanbag toss game with. And that was kind of a good project because it was small. It was all straight stitching and it used all the things we learned like pivot turns and back stitching, ironing, all those things. So that was usually the first project we did. And then after that, we did a project that was very similar construction, except it was bigger and you don't put beans in it. And it was a, we called it a cat blanket but it was a liner for the animal crates at the animal shelter. And it was sized for our local animal shelter. And we would donate them if the kids didn't want to take them home or if the kids liked it and wanted to take it home, they could do that. And that turned out to be a good project because the kids felt good about taking it home and they also felt good about donating it if it was something they didn't want to keep. 
So those were probably the two first projects. And then we had some holiday projects. We made some Christmas tree shaped ornaments. And we did with the more advanced kids, we made pajama pants. And uh, those would be the kids that had sewn for two, the second year. Oh, very good. Now, did for the junior high, was it semester-based or was it uh, quarterly or trimester? How did it They were semester-based. Semester? So we had a young living class and a teen living class. And the young living kids would do the bean bags and the cat blankets. And then the teen living class was the one that we did the pajama pants with. Mm-hmm. But that got a little hard because sometimes you'd have kids in teen living that hadn't taken young living. So they were new to sewing. So then we had them do the beginner project. That's great. Yeah, I just know, gosh, when for my class that I did, we started out much the same way that you have them start out. We did a hand stitch project when they would make, create their own like pin cushion. That was their first project doing just the hand stitching. And then we graduated up to like the sewing machine and doing the back stitching and all what we're talking about, which then from, oh, doing that. Oh my gosh. I'm really going back in the, in the memory bank. Our first project, what was our first project? I'm going to have to go back into my units of when I taught that because I can't remember it, but What I do vividly remember is doing the pajama pants and then our donation project was we created dresses for, or, or shorts for Africa. So so we would create those and oh my gosh, the students, that was probably their favorite unit because they, and they put so much effort and love into that project because they knew it was going somewhere that was needed. That is nice. And that, that's another good point about the pillowcases too, because you can donate the pillowcases that you make to mm-hmm. children's hospitals. And it does seem like the kids enjoy doing something that that helps others. Absolutely. And just with you mentioning the pillowcases, that was our first, I think that was our first project. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. And learning how to do the French seam. And uh, I know those pillowcases are, that's a huge deal because my own kid has been hospitalized a couple of times and she, every time she's been hospitalized, She's always given a brand new pillowcase and it says, you know, it was, it was donated by such a group. And that always is really, it warms my heart going, these things are tangible and they're loved. Oh, that is special. And it's special to give it and to receive that. Yes, it, it really, it really is. Yeah. Well, would you like to share how can people find you? Well, you can go to YouTube and search for Calico Jam and you will find my YouTube channel there. And you can go to Etsy and search for Calico Jam and you'll find me there. And I also have links on my YouTube videos to the Etsy shop as well. And Teachers Pay Teachers, I'm out there too with the curriculum. And I really hope that people can spread the word. I just would love for these things to be used because I I know it's going to make our lives a lot easier when we get back to teaching in person. And I'm looking forward to 
the extra time that I'll get to spend with each student since I won't be repeating myself all the time. (laughs) And also letting them move at their own pace. That was just one of the big, you know, the big holdups. We'd have to just have people wait until everyone was up to the same point. And so I think we can let people learn at their own pace a little easier this way too. No, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, I will be sure to link all of your resources to this podcast episode and to share it. As we conclude, do you have like a a favorite tech tip that you'd like to share out? What have you learned the most throughout this COVID year? Wow. I think I've learned that I'm pretty lucky. I can always think of places that would be fun to go, but I have a, you know, I live in a great place. I have a great family and I think it's good to always have a project of some kind going on the side because I think it's been projects that have kept me going through this time mentally And my project this time, since I couldn't do things out and about, was to work on these videos. And I got to learn a lot during the process. It didn't cost me a penny. I used things that I already had at home. And I used free software to make all my videos and my documents. And I just enjoyed the process a lot. So I think I don't really have any tips other than I think everyone can benefit from working on a project. And that's one of the things I think I love the most about teaching kids to sew is that they all seem to enjoy doing something with their hands. And even the kids that came into our classroom that we were told could be possible problems or difficult kids, I never saw it because once they got their hands working on something, they were just the best kids and worked hard and I think they enjoyed being trusted with a sewing machine and just having that ability to make something. It's good for everyone. Yes. Uh, It's project-based learning. Everybody is learning at their own pace. It's not how they learn. It's when a student learns. So that's huge. And YouTube. Yes, it is a free resource. And the software that comes along with it. I'm still learning how to to utilize YouTube. But yeah, if you are at all interested in learning, just create a YouTube account and start playing around with how to edit things and upload certain documents because it is a really cool resource. It really is. And there's a lot of good software programs you can get free. And I, in my video descriptions, I've linked some of the software programs that I used in creating my videos. And I just thank the people that worked on those and made them available free of charge to the public because they're powerful programs and and they produce good quality videos. No, absolutely. Well, one last little, like, I'm just going to share this out because I don't think a lot of teachers know about this. In certain cases, YouTube is blocked in the, at the middle school level. And I know this from my own district. So middle school in my district, students, they don't have access to YouTube. They are allowed to have access to YouTube once they graduate up into the high school. But there is something called SafeTube. So S-A-F-E-T-U-B-E, safetube.com, where you could take your actual YouTube link and you can auto-generate it into the SafeTube 
which then it takes away all of the commercials. Students don't see any of the like, oh, whatever other featured videos are out there or anything, but it's just your video. And I am so glad you mentioned that because I, that didn't cross my mind about not being able to access YouTube. Yeah. So is SafeTube, is that something that educators primarily use or is that, I guess I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And the only reason why I found out about SafeTube is because I was talking to our, uh, one of our special education teachers earlier this year, and she was telling me about SafeTube and that's what she uses for her special ed students. And I'm like, tell me more about this. And she did. And I'm hooked. So now on all of my YouTube videos that I have students watch asynchronously or when we're in class in a virtual setting, I always give a SafeTube link as well as the YouTube link. Because I've had ninth graders who've come up from middle school who still have the YouTube isn't accessible for them. And waiting on our technology department to to remove that, it sometimes takes too long. So I just provide both resources, SafeTube and YouTube. All right. Well, I will look into that for sure. I think that sounds like a, a good idea for my videos too. Yeah. So the more you know, right? We're back right. together. <laughs> Well, thank you, Wendy, so much for joining. And I will be sure to have all of your links up, your TPT, your Teacher Pay Teacher, and your Etsy and YouTube, all of that. So teachers out there, you listening, find Calico Jam. We got some really great stuff for you. Thanks, Thanks, Barbara. It was so nice to visit with you today. Yes. No, thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Each episode on the Connect FCS Ed podcast. We boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families everywhere. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Thanks again for spending your time with me today, and be sure to visit fcspodcast.com for past episodes and resources to help spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.